Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and it's episode 366. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez. Uh, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this? I don't know how it is where you are, but it is a uh, snowy Friday late morning into the afternoon that I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, it's the same here in D.C. Uh, it was snowing earlier this week. Yeah, it was and it's going to be snowing the whole day. Is it even sticking there? Oh yeah, big time. Oh wow, it's it's rough. Must be hard times over in DC. People here don't know what to do because, like, for the last ten years, it's pretty much like, hey, we might get some snow, and then ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time it's just rain. Or if it snows, it doesn't stick. Yeah, but even usually it doesn't even fucking snow. So it's like I'm, I'm happy. It. I mean, I, I work remote, so. I'm just like, oh, what a beautiful snow in front of my house or whatever. And like, I don't have to worry about shit. So it works for me. Um, yeah, yeah, that works. Uh, is your dog enjoying the snow? Uh, Missy doesn't care about the snow. She, I don't think she cares about the snow. She doesn't like the cold. So she'll go outside, handle her business and be like, all right, it's time back in. Let's, uh, <laughs> that's it. This is fine. She's not trying to experience the elements? No, not at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first thing that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may, may be watching this podcast. If you are, if you've not done so already, please hit like. Subscribe to the channel. Leave us a comment. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it right now. You can find that on our website, www.thestrick.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store. You can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. And the Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our news podcast that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. And you also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rant with Anissa Moore. Just did a pod this week with Trill Bro Dude talking about the Pascal Siakam trade and whether the Philadelphia 76ers or the New York Knicks should trade for DeJounte Murray. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Marino, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our weekly NFL pod that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen, uh, where they talk about, you guessed it, the NFL. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $15 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and it's possible that you 
and none of this would be possible without Bet Online. With the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code Believe BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, the Knicks are eight and two since making the OG and an OB trade. Uh, they are, I want to say, I can look it up right now. So that's 10 games, which makes it very easy to find on the great NBA.com stats. Uh, in their last 10 games with OG and Anobi, the Knicks are, they are, oh, here we go. They are 17th in offensive rating, 116.5. They are number one in defensive rating, 104.1. They are number three in net rating at 12.4. And other numbers that may be of interest, their second defensive rebound percentage, 76.9. They're number two in rebound percentage overall, 55.6. Funny enough, Cleveland is number one in rebound, in defensive rebound percentage and total rebound percentage. Knicks are number one in offensive rebound percentage at 33.9. They have the 17th best true shooting percentage, which is an improvement for sure. Uh, they also rank now after an inc- it, it's a sudden uptick in pace. They are now back down to 23rd in pace over that span, uh, 97.2, which is not far off of their season kind of average. Um, I don't know. Uh, their turnover percentage, uh, this is actually notable. They're dead last. Did it go up 9,000% after they're, yesterday? <laughs> well, I don't know, but they're dead last in the league uh, in turnover percentage since the trade now. They are at 15.8, which is obviously a massive departure from anything we've ever seen before from them. Uh, And it has come with an uptick in the assist percentage. They're 21st in assist percentage, which, again, may seem trivial to some, but it's a significant improvement on what has generally been a very low assist team. Um, I don't know. What are your takeaways, I guess, uh, since, uh, since the OG and Anobi trade? And kind of, you know, look, we've had a little bit of a poorer offensive stretch here lately um which i oh, think boy, bear, <laughs> yeah which i think lay bear some of the issues just the the fucking scores look like 2009 <laughs> yeah uh well i just think they lay bare some of the issues with the roster since the trade but um yeah i guess what are your overall takeaways it's... i mean the the one that jumps out of the things that you said that goes with my eye test is the turnover issue um which is not one that i expected really um rj himself is a player who i mean he did, he wasn't like turnover prone in the sense of like raw numbers of turnovers but like for his play style he was turnover prone for someone who didn't pass he was turnover prone um but i thought like oh you get somebody who has the ball a lot out and you get quickly who has the ball a lot out i i turn more turnovers was just not one of the things i expected Um, but when you view it as, you know, those guys may not have been like assist turnover gods, although IQ is pretty good, um, most years, um, for someone who's a pick and roll ball handler, um, you know, the comparison is not them to like other ball handlers. It's compared to the people who are going to pick up that usage right so obviously Jalen and Julius are going to pick up some of that 
And then other guys are going to pick up some of that, like Dante and Deuce and stuff like that. So um, Dante's been playing great. Yesterday in the game before, he's he had a lot of turnovers. Um, I don't know. I, I think, oh, you know, versus the Rockets and versus the Wizards, it feels like, well, in the Rockets game, like once we stopped turning the ball over, it just instantly became dominance and the stretches we didn't turn the ball over versus the wizards are the stretches they pretty much dominated. So, I mean, this is historically a low turnover team. Although like you mentioned, this is the way they're playing now is a little bit more conducive to passing, which means you're going to be a little bit more open to turnovers. So it's definitely a big question going forward, trying to like reclaim some of that, uh, turnover prone identity the thing i mean turnover free identity the thing that is a little worrying to me um like because you have less creation on the team and julius and jalen aren't the most instinctive passers and our offense gets bogged down in a lot of iso ball we just happen to have two good iso scores like i I think we're seeing the adjustment to our new team finally on defense, um, which is, you know, they're going to dare the Knicks to pass um, not to the corners, but above the break in particular. And I, and they're going to dare the Knicks to like make dump off passes and stuff like that. And that's where you see a lot of the turnovers come, particularly from Brunson. Um, I think the Knicks will adjust back. I don't, I think it's way out of character for Brunson to have turnovers like he's had lately. Um, so I'm not super worried about it, but it is definitely something to monitor. I will say that like once we cut down the turnovers, um, that will go a long way towards improving our offense, even with like put aside holes in the roster, like that alone will, will help. And then hopefully getting another ball handler, um, will help alleviate the turnovers a little bit as well. So I don't know. That's just these low scores. Like a lot of it to me just looks like it's because of the turnovers and I don't know, some funky shooting. I feel like we've missed a lot of gimmies lately, not Brunson, but like other players, um, I don't know that the offense is, is weird, but the starters are, they're still killing teams, right? If I'm not mistaken during this stretch, even though we've only scored like as a team, like we haven't scored well overall, like I'm pretty sure that's still the bench that's dragging down our offense. So it's a weird stretch too. You got to remember Brunson missed two games in between. That's true. And then like, it just, I don't know. It, I, yeah. It's, it's a little bit weird because of that. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I, I will say, I think the defense is real. Like I, I, I love the defense. Yeah. I should say that. Like yeah. everybody seems to be pretty locked in right now. And like, we can let, you know, like do still can't get to the rim. Josh Hart sometimes knows what he's doing. Other times doesn't, but like those guys are, lo- I think the roles on defense are good right now. Like that's the main thing. Like, because OG takes the, a tough assignment it lets Randall take somebody who's less tough. It lets Grimes and Dante and whoever take somebody who's less tough. It lets Dante play off ball. I heart's obviously been excellent. Like 
I mean, the Wizards and the Rockets aren't like the murderers row of elite offenses, but uh, they, the team is just being able to win these games, like 105 to like 99 or whatever. Like that's a good defense, even though it mean makes for ugly games. Um. Yeah. Look, I think the defense is real. My concern is that, like. Look, you uh, you need an elite defense to be an, a true contender. That's not really negotiable. Like you just need to be a good. You, you have to have one. Uh, that's been borne out throughout the history of the NBA, even in the uh, speedball kind of like crazy offensive era that we that we exist in now. That's been the case. Um, but the offense clearly is not good enough right now. And if we're going to be honest, like. I don't think there's a piece or a move that on the table that addresses that at this deadline. Like, I don't think they're going to be a true contender because I don't think the offense will be good enough. That's kind of. And that's even when Julius is playing well on offense, which we don't know if he'll do on the playoffs. Yeah. We don't know if he'll do that in the playoffs. If he does do it in the playoffs, I don't know. Maybe that changes it. I, I, maybe. I'm but, this, but that's what I'm saying. Even lately, like I know he's had like the one or two duds, but like generally he's, playing pretty good on offense and like that. And then that's the other thing that stands out is like Brunson and Randall are for the most, like, except, I mean, the games where Brunson was out was weird, but like the two of them are hooping and like these guys will, will score like a bazillion points and we'll still have like 105 or some shit. Yeah. We, we don't have anybody that scores inside the arc now, aside from them. Like that's it. And it's like, I, okay. And then the, you know, the, the OG cuts and like I heart putbacks and stuff, but those are not guys that are creating really inside the arc. And, um, you know, say whatever you want about RJ and, and quickly, like whatever anybody's misgivings or whatever your opinions were of them. I don't think it's, 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 you cannot deny that one thing they were capable of was scoring inside the arc. And that gave you a little bit more variety, even if, you know, at times with RJ, you were like, well, can you make a couple of threes though? Like, Yes, but his ability to score inside the arc gave you um, a level of stability offensively that I don't think you have now. And that's why, like, the team is a lot more three-point dependent now. Um, like, when they're hot from three, they can blow the, a fucking team out of the water like they did to Philly uh, a couple weeks ago, which, again, like, that's why I think pe- maybe maybe even me, myself, like, maybe I am underselling, like, maybe th- there is a move that can make them a contender. Maybe I, I'm wrong on that, but like uh, there, there are still signs of like, okay, when they're rolling, they can, they can do shit offensively, but it's so dependent on being hot from three. And as we have seen with teams like uh, the Celtics at times in the playoffs, if you're that three point dependent and, and again, this is a Celtics team that I think most people would agree is, or has been anyway, generally more talented than even this current Knicks roster. Um, that even then, like there's a limitation, and there there are times where that can come back to bite you in the playoffs. The counter would be a team like Miami, who last year was extremely three point luck dependent uh, in their run to the finals, and they didn't make a run to the finals anyway because their defense is and has been elite. Obviously, they hit a uh, a roadblock in the finals against the Nuggets, who can score about a bajillion points a game when they want to. Um, but like. The Knicks are still, I think, two pieces away. I think one of them is a third star or third, however you want to parse it, and then another one would just be somebody off the bench who can reasonably create. Um, maybe 
again, maybe maybe the third star is enough. And maybe it's possible, obviously, because if you stagger, blah, blah, blah. But they don't have that third star right now. And I don't think they're getting that third star at the deadline. Uh, if you think DeJounte Murray's the third star, then maybe you're you're pushing for that. I personally don't, but if you do, um, then I would say if you believe that, then you should think the Knicks are a contender uh with DeJounte Murray. I don't believe he is, so to me that would not be a championship move. Um, but yeah, I think that's really my main takeaway is like, you know, every game is whatever. Yesterday sucked, but like one, good teams play bad teams a lot, and sometimes those games are tough. Like the Celtics went to fucking overtime with the 26 losses in a row Pistons or whatever the hell it was at that time. Um, and you know, that's, and I think the Celtics were full strength in that game. Anyway, I'm pretty sure they had like Porzingis. They had enough. I mean, it's the fucking Celtics. They had more than enough to, to handle their business and regulation. And that went to overtime. We've seen the Pacers earlier this year. They got smoked by the wizards. Um, like weird things happen in, over the course of an 82 game regular season. So I'm not too worried about the one-off nature of it. I just think it reveals some of the issues that have cropped up since the trade. And like, I think you can be positive about the trade. I am, I am positive about the trade. I think the Knicks have made a trade that gives them something that they didn't have uh, while it created gaps, maybe in areas that they were previously covered in, like in terms of just, you know, whether the shot creation was good enough or not, they did have enough of it to be the third ranked offense in the league last year. I think they were top 10 pretty easily before the trade was made. So um, the fact that they've dropped out of 17th over the last 10 games, I think tells you a little bit about what they've lost. Obviously the increase to first in defense also tells you about something they've gained. So um, on aggregate, there's no question they've improved. Now it's about upgrading the, the overall and saving, you know, you know, it's easy to just be like, well, Ben Brunson and Randall, the load they're carrying is crazy. And there's no doubt about it. It is crazy, but I don't think you can also like, the reason why he almost has, or not, he, I'm not going to say that, but the reason he is playing OG so much is because the offense sucks so hard. He's like, okay, well, I need, then, then I just need to play him and I hard all the time because those two give me the elite defense. Like, we're going to be an elite defense when they're on the floor. So this gives us a chance to win games. Personally, I don't love that that is his pivot is just, I don't, I'll just say it. Like, I don't want to do a whole tips thing today because I just, I can't do it with him anymore. Um, but like coaching to me goes beyond just playing your best players, the most minutes like that. That's not coaching. Anybody can do that. I'm sorry. Um, but I don't, I, that needs to be managed. And I think a way to manage that is to get your bench some more offensive creativity and they have a chance to do it. And I think there's two pieces to this that I want to touch on because I think people are really losing levity on this. Um, maybe three pieces really like, look, Josh Hart, I think has been asked to do too much this year. When we had quickly, I think it was unnecessary for him to be asked to do as much as he was with quickly gone. It's a little bit more understandable. Uh, either way, it's problematic. You need to dial back Josh Hart, not dial him up. Less is more with him offensively. Um, and maybe less is more even in terms of his minutes. I think his minutes have been too much. I think his role has increased beyond what is necessary or required for this team. And um, that's something that is more on the coach. It's not on Josh Hart. That's on the coach. So Tibbs has to, has to get that in order. Uh, I think like, yes, I would like to see Grimes get more minutes when he plays well, when he plays like Dookie, like he did yesterday, I have no problem with his minutes being cut when he plays well, I think his minutes should be increased or at least 
he, he can get a couple more. You can afford to give Josh Hart has been playing like 30 minutes and stuff like that. You can afford to give him a couple of Grimes, a couple of his minutes. You can afford to give OG a couple of it or a couple of Grimes's minutes when we're fully healthy for sure. And same goes with DiVincenzo, by the way. Like I, I had people telling me like, Oh, well you're talking about Josh Hart. Why aren't you saying DiVincenzo needs more minutes? I agree. DiVincenzo should like he, I was looking it up. He's, he's averaging since he moved to the starting lineup. DiVincenzo prior to yesterday was only averaging 23.6 minutes per game. That's not enough. Like he needs to play more. He's been one of the best shooters in the fucking NBA. Forget by far and away the best shooter on the team, at least in terms of spot ups and catch and shoot stuff. So like for him to be playing that little while Josh Hart was racking up 30 minutes a game, especially given the fact that we now know Josh Hart has this like tendinopathy issue, which is going to be something he has to manage the rest of the year is ridiculous. So yes, both those guys need more minutes. The third part is, I do not think Quentin Grimes needs to be an untouchable player. Prez can vouch for this. I have long said I think a lot of Knicks fans have overrated Quentin Grimes and that he, to me, was never in the bracket of a talent of, like, Emmanuel Quickly. Never, 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 never. And I always believed that he was he got overrated because of the idea of – or the, the, the archetype of player he is. The idea of the idea of I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things I wanted to talk to and like we can get into it a little bit but like there's there's two things like there's the evaluation of what Quentin Grimes is now and he's somebody who can take really tough defensive assignments he is great at screen navigation but he can be bullied by players stronger than him who are around the same size as him and he can be bullied by players who are larger than him from three. He's pretty good. It's not elite, but he's pretty good. And he's also a streak shooter from three um, compared to other really good shooters. His highs are really high and his lows are really low in terms of like over five or like five for seven or whatever. And that player is not untouchable. That player it's probably not even worth like a first, maybe like a whack first. But the point is that player can still space the floor a little bit. And even though that player has weaknesses, so does Josh Hart. And ultimately what you're, what Tibbs has struggled with is, um, is picking players. He doesn't, he views, he, uh, he views certain players with, a highlight on their weaknesses rather than their strengths. And I don't know with Josh Hart, like you look at the defensive rebounding and the defense, which has been good. So he's like, okay, that's good. The rest of the stuff, whatever, like we can hang our head on defense and that'll get me to the trade deadline as a coach until we get more help or something like that. Um, The thing, the stuff with Grimes that's tough, tough is there's just, we know there's times you can make life easier for the offense. And even though he sometimes struggles on defense, he, he's nowhere near close to a negative defender or even a neutral defender. So, um, you know, this is in the same bucket as like, give me a few minutes of Julius at the five or whatever, like, or OG at the five, just like you can make scoring easier for your guys who are scoring a lot for Randall and Brunson. So um, you can yeah. be lower on Grimes and still take issue with a his role and b his valuation though i don't want to get into that as much um because 
with Grimes' role, it, it's not in a vacuum. It's also reflective of other players' roles. So, like, you got to look at, like, team performance. And if Grimes is playing more minutes at the three, that means we're playing more speedball lineups, which means we're probably taking little couple minute slots of time to juice our offense versus non-starting units. But when we don't do that, we're leaving it on the table. And if you look at the five man lineups, um, you know, even like the starters, but with heart instead of Dante, like that lineup is going crazy. It's the bench mix lineups that have heart and the other bench lineups that are, really shaky in terms of just how they're scoring. So like nobody's saying we need small ball as the fastball for this team or as the starting unit or something like that. And, and the other part of it too, like we should, I've shit on precious. You were like, tried to be a precious fan for like two games and you were like, I, my heart precious. (laughs) I love with my heart, but I can't love with my brain. (laughs) Uh, But like, like what I, I don't know what you really feasibly expect for an o- offense to be if you're putting Hart out there with Precious and Grimes and your point guard is Deuce. Like so like my point is like so the Grimes thing is to me, I don't want to tr- I wouldn't trade him right now, not because I like super value him, because but it's because one, all the people were talking about this deadline. I'm just like, I I don't see it. Now maybe there are iterations of the trade where it's like Oh, you were trading Fournier and Grimes for like DeJounte Murray, but you're also getting back AJ Griffin. And I'm like, okay, fine. So you kind of swapped out one guy. You're getting an extra te- a year of team control with AJ Griffin. If there's I- a team that's super fucking thirsty for Grimes and wants to give like, make him something part of a transaction, right. right? Something like a strong transaction, whether that's a good player or like a, a legitimate first or something like that, like, where you're yeah, also you're getting some bench player back. You got to consider it because like, this is, this is what I wanted to say. Like uh, this was the main point of my other rant, but I forgot to make the end point there. So sorry okay. listeners, but basically like Grimes valuation is lower than it really probably would be. Really good lawyer over here. Look, man, I'm off, closing the clock, right? off the clock. Right? Closing arguments. Don't take this guy to trial. That's why I'm not that kind of lawyer. If you ever see me in a courthouse, something has gone terribly wrong for me (laughs) he's on he's on trial actually yeah i'm not the lawyer (laughs) um so if if you can find a a deal where grimes's inclusion is valued at what you think he should be valued at but he's not currently valued at in a one-to-one transaction then you consider it basically he might be more valuable to a specific team. If a specific team is like, Oh, a two way guy who can shoot flaws and all that sounds good. And plus we have X player who we don't want for some reason. Right. Like, I don't know, DeJounte Murray, I don't know, Bruce Brown, Jordan Clarkson, whatever. Like I'm just fucking picking names that have been in the rumor mill. If you want to see if like Grimes can move the needle on that, like those guys are an upgrade on Grimes. Like let's not get it twisted, but you just, you don't want to have a deal where he's just a dump. That's the problem. If you want to consider him for a legitimate upgrade or for a deal where his value spikes because of the specific context of the deal, that's the kind of thing that the Knicks should consider. And that's usually historically the kind of deal the Knicks look for. 
they don't really traffic too much in like one-to-one deals. They look for situations where the team they're trading with values their guys or their assets more than the Knicks do. And the Knicks value the incoming player more than the other team does, right? Like we talked about this with the quickly trade, like they didn't value quickly as highly as lots of us did. RJ was a toxic asset. They were super thirsty for OG. Toronto was like, yo, picks are cool, but quickly is better. You look at the Josh Hart trade. It was the same thing. It was a legit first round pick in a great draft, but like we weren't going to bring on two rookies. We weren't, we didn't even end up bringing any rookies, but like we definitely weren't going to bring on two rookies. So that pick was worth fuck all to us. So you look like you're, uh, you're about to chuckle. Uh, I were there's something <laughs> I was mentioning in our, our, uh, in our staff channel. So, uh, <laughs> it just, it, I was just laughing at it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, the pick didn't matter to us. It's that, that joy pick that it's just, it's, I mean, right. it, it matters. That in the sense mean it was like, a, yeah. That doesn't mean it was like a bum asset. It's just, it's different for different, from different perspectives. Right. And it's, it's like, you have, sometimes you pay a premium to just get what you want. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and also we know now that the Pacers were involved heavily for OG Ananobi. We don't know what they offered. Um, but the fact that apparently, I mean, the report is that they tried to get, obviously they did land Pascal Siakam. We can talk about that, but, um, uh, they tried to land Pascal and OG in a combat combined trade. So I would assume in that scenario that they did put a Jairus Walker on the table, that maybe they did put a Mather on the table. So, um, I think, like maybe, I mean, and, and you've t- you've talked about this a lot of times. Like, you generally get more for assets when you trade them off individually versus combined. And so, I think it's reasonable to consider that maybe maybe they offered like, hey, we'll give you we'll we'll the same pick package they sent out for Siakam, but we'll give you you know fucking Matherin, and uh, we'll throw in whatever combined like matching salary and. And the Knicks, for that reason, had to go, you know, they had to put in quickly and they had to put in a Detroit pick, whatever it was. I think it's reasonable to assume that um, they paid a premium for that reason. And that part is fine. I, I just wanted to say with Grimes, like, I think people are really, really doing a disservice to, like, like, he was a good player last year. And he's been good at times this year. I know he's had a struggle this year. I know this year has not been what he hoped for or what a lot of fans hoped for. Um, there's no question about that. He was a really good player last year. He's a player that came in and basically fixed our starting lineup, which was awful prior to his inclusion into it. Um, he played 48 minutes for us in an elimination game, had like an all time defensive possession on Jimmy Butler, basically playing one season. Right. And, and he, and he, he, he stopped him, you know, uh, for that play and basically sealed the deal for us to push it to a game six. Like, I, I get all of the issues with him as a player. I just think people are really, really not appreciating that sometimes third year players fuck up and they struggle. And like, and they, and beyond time. that, like, it's just the, like, fuck with Quentin Grant. Like, you could cite his points per game. And yeah, he sucked yesterday's shooting. Like, I get that. But like, we're not playing one on one, we're playing team fucking basketball. And, the whole the whole point nobody's saying Grimes is some fucking world beater. They're saying if you play Grimes more minutes, that means you're playing more small ball minutes versus 
lesser lineups because you're playing versus the bench in a lot of instances because our best lineup is our starting lineup. Nobody's questioning that. Even Grimes' biggest fans know that. But, like, if Grimes is playing, that doesn't mean, oh, we're playing guy with mass stats. That also means we're playing Grimes with another shooter. We're playing Josh Hart with another shooter. We're playing OG with another shooter. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.